Welcome to Retiring Today, the podcast that guides you to and through retirement. I'm Molly Nelson, the host. I'm joined by Rochelle Smith, the producer of this podcast. And in the podcast booth with us today, Lauren Merkel. He's a certified financial planner and a certified fiduciary. Sean Honkamp. He's a CPA, a reformed CPA. We'll get to that in just a minute. He's also a retirement income certified professional and a certified financial fiduciary. And CPAs, when I think of CPAs, what do you think of, Lauren? Like you, think of your, you think of your standard CPA. What, what's, your, what's your personality type? Who, who, who do you picture? Oh, I, 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 I picture highly intellectual individuals willing to talk about a lot of things, numbers. And then there's Sean. I default to, like most people, the life of the party. It's generally what I connotate and associate with CPAs. So, Sean, you go off to you and I. You decide there's a big, bold world out there. I'm going to go get it, and I want to file taxes for a living. Yes? Is that how it went? Uh, th- there's much more to being a CPA <laughs> than filing taxes. Honestly, I do it, you know, a lot of times we don't know until we get into doing something. Really, I was driven to attend you and I and go to accounting because in high school, math, super easy to me. Um, just enjoyed numbers, enjoyed the problem-solving side of it. So that's what had it po- pointed me in that direction, and then... 20 years later, we're at the current state. Now you're helping people retire. And we're giving Sean a hard time because clearly he is not the typical CPA. And we'll talk about him being a reformed CPA because he no longer files taxes on behalf of the families that we work with at Merkel Retirement Planning. But that knowledge as a CPA, man, it sets the stage up so well for what you're doing today as a retirement planner. Yeah, I spent about five years in public accounting. So going back to that typical CPA, what most people think of is that they, you know, they work in public accounting and they file the tax returns and they, um, you know, talk to you about planning and, and such. But they have very valuable experience. Really enjoyed that time. Um, you know, and it's, it's pointed me in the path to, to where I am today. So it's fitting that Sean is on the podcast today because we're going to talk about year-end tax planning. We think about taxes and we think about them being an April event, but they're not just something you should be thinking about in April as the year 2020 comes to a close. That feels like a loaded sentence, Rochelle. Yeah, The year does. 2020. People are, I think, I ready think to most put- people are waiting for 2020 to come to Put 2020 mm-hmm. behind us. So a lot of the- the stuff that happened in 2020, we get to put it behind us. But you know what we never really put behind us, though, is taxes. So they, we know each year we have to file taxes. But Sean, again, what set the stage for us and what we're going to cover today, year-end tax planning is, is different than what happens in April. Yeah, when it comes regarding, regards of, regarding your taxes, you know, 2020 has been unique in so many ways. Your tax return is not, uh, did not escape that, right? So we had until July 15th to file the current tax return. So we, a lot of people just finished that up, maybe just settled up with Uncle Sam not too long ago, and here we are talking about year-end tax planning. So what we want to do, what we're going to be covering today, is just let's start thinking about that year-end. Uh, most, uh, I think as we, as we grow up in age, we don't necessarily do a lot of the planning, right? We just let the year go by, and then we submit everything and turn that into our CPA. But what we want to be doing is being proactive in that area and start uh, doing some analysis, doing some of the planning and review, prior to hitting December and hitting December 31st and moving on to that next year. What are some of the things that we can be looking at talking about to put yourself in a better position when it comes to your overall tax situation and how much we owe and pay to Uncle Sam? And today we'll cover some of the things you can be doing right now to improve your tax situation, look at tax efficiency. But when just an overall conversation about taxes first, Lauren, people during those accumulation years, especially they kind of default to that 
pay the least amount uh, of taxes possible each year. That's really the mantra. That's really what we've been taught all over all these years is why pay taxes on money right now when you're working probably at your highest wage earning years when you can default to paying taxes when you're retired, when you're supposed to be in a lower tax bracket, meaning that your overall tax bill should be lower. That's what we've always been told. And for some people, that's the case. For some people, when you were deferring taxes in the 80s, when tax rates with the highest marginal tax rate was 70%, as a as compared to today, the highest ta- ta- marginal tax rate is 37%, deferring money during that kind of time frame might make sense. But what a lot of people, what a lot of retirees are finding out is even though they retire, they incorporate a maximization social security strategy. Maybe they have a pension. And once they reach 72, they have required minimum distributions. So they turn all these different levers of income on that's taxed at ordinary income tax rates that they're actually in the same tax bracket post-retirement that they were pre-retirement, or some of them find themselves in, in, in an even higher tax rate. So this is where the tax conversations, the tax planning conversations have to be really meaningful. And I understand how most people feel about taxes. It's one of those things that's, that's kind of like a Monday morning, right? Everybody's just kind of, kind of, they're not looking forward to Monday morning or maybe when they had their wisdom teeth pulled, right? It's not a fun experience, but it has to happen every single year. So people don't think about it until they have to think about it. And then they, they collect their tax documents, they give it to their CPA and they say, now you think about it, right? And that CPA is trained. In fact, you pay that CPA to save you or to have you pay the least amount of taxes possible in that current year. And that's the majority of the tax planning that takes place in this country every single year. But Sean and I, when we're sitting down with the families that we work with, almost every single time, it doesn't matter what month of the year we're talking to them, whether it's January, June, November, it doesn't matter. Almost every single conversation, we're talking to them in some way, some fashion about their tax plan. Here's what your tax plan is this year. Here's what your tax plan is next year. And here's how it's going to be meaningful to you five years down the road, 10 years down the road. That way they can see what their tax plan is and how it's incorporated with their retirement vision. Rochelle, make a note for the marketing team to work on uh, Lauren's um, analogies, though. That wisdom teeth one—that's not—that's okay. kind of a flop. There, uh, we don't oh, get. Come our on, wisdom. that was that was even better than Monday morning. Uh, also, Monday morning. Do you not like coming to work on Monday morning? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about most people. He's I've never worked a day in my life. <laughs> That's Most people are <laughs> dreading driving to work Monday morning. Right. That's, that's why there is this thing called retirement, which is why we have job security here at Merkle Retirement Planning. And I thought the analogy was though something you had done annually and wisdom teeth. Anyways, we'll work on the analogy of paying taxes and something you have to do annually. But let's let's go over to Sean and, and an analogy less uh, answer to the question might be helpful, Sean. <laughs> Just kidding, Lauren. So we talk about that recording of the taxes and, and that's what you used to do as a CPA was record people's taxes. But when you become a retirement planner, the way you look at taxes is so much different. Yeah, the difference really, I think, is the proactive versus reactive standpoint. Um, you know, with, with so much of the planning that we talk about, we talk about putting yourself in control of what you're doing. There are certain aspects of your of the various retirement questions, challenges, maybe, you know, puzzle pieces, as we talk about sometimes. 
that you can control and there's some that we can't control, right? We can't control the overall market. We don't, we know that. So we control about how, you know, how much or how we invest and how much risk we take. But when it comes to doing taxes, uh, a lot, so many people default to thinking, yeah, I have a CPA, so I'm getting my tax planning from my CPA. And uh, Lauren touched on it. They are compensated to computate, calculate, uh, complete your tax return and e-file it for you, right? That's what they are paid to do. Most people don't talk to their CPA until first quarter of the year, and they're talking to them about the prior year. So the difference really is around the proactive versus reactive. We want to put you in a position to start thinking about it. Um, know what the you know know what your income means to you, how it impacts you. Know, uh, understand the marginal tax rates, and we understand what tax legislation and what those changes mean to you, and and how they'll impact you. So we 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 just want to be ahead of it and doing things proactively. Okay. So as the year comes to a close, we're going to talk about things you can be doing right now to try to improve your tax situation. So it's a Friday night. You've just gotten off of a long week of work. Some people, Lauren, they look forward to Friday. It's not you though. You've never worked a day in your life. Friday, maybe you've poured a glass of wine and Sean, you're telling me I should get out my tax return from the previous year. If you want to have an efficient weekend and really get some value <laughs> out of your weekend, yes, you Okay, should. you sound like a CPA now. Yeah, like, well, you were cool, still. calm, collected, personable, but all of a sudden you sound like a CPA. But there is, joking aside, some real value in it. You should find some time. I'd say, uh, again, we, we talk, we say this a lot. Most people, most people will get their tax return if they even ever get it, right? They just want to find out that it's been filed and they're squared up with Uncle Sam. But most people will receive it. They may save it onto their computer. They may save a physical copy and they will never look at it again, right? Which puts you in that bucket of just being simply reactive and checking the box of getting that tax return filed every year. There is value. There is a lot of good information that can be obtained from looking at your tax return. So part of what we, we suggest, right, sometime in that fourth quarter, sometimes prior to the end of the year, look at last year's tax situation, as you said, what you recorded with Uncle Sam in the prior year, and that can put you in a position to plan ahead for the current year. There are some pieces of information. There's lots of little nuggets in there. Right? That's where the fun comes from. <laughs> oh, Sean, but, nuggets in a tax return. We live different lives. Lauren, let's say I don't want to look at my tax return. I'm in that camp. You'll look at it for me or, or your retirement planner will take a look at it and really get those nuggets out of it. Most of our families feel exactly how Sean explained is they don't want to look at it. The good news is, is they don't have to. So what we do is we ask them to bring it in so we can take a look at it and we can, we can take those, those nuggets out of there and really apply it in a meaningful way to help improve what it is that we're trying to do from an overall increasing of spendable income scenarios, right? That's really what we're trying to get to. It's not about what you make. It's about what you you get to keep it's by what you get to spend and by decreasing the amount of your overall tax bill not only in that calendar year but also forecasting or looking forward over the next 10 to 20 years of your retirement that is really what makes the the most meaningful impact and that's that's part of the the process and the offering that we have here at Merkle retirement planning is will the tax planning doesn't get done very often across this country. That is one of the things that we really focus on that really can increase and improve what people are trying to do from a retirement standpoint. Okay. We, so, you know, ta your total tax bill is one of your largest expenses and it just doesn't get the attention that it should because it's not fun, right? Going back to the, the wisdom teeth analogy. Wisdom, <laughs> see, it, it, it stands out. <laughs> it, here, it's not. It's memorable. 
it's not fun. So who wants to think about, you know, spending time analyzing, well, how much am I going to pay Uncle Sam? But it is one of your largest expense categories. We should be spending more time on it. And like to Lauren's point, it's that's part of what we do. We, you don't have to do it yourself. Nobody wants, not many people want to do it yourself. So work with somebody that have an advisor on your team that will look at that as part of your plan. Most people are worried about them, the market risk. You know, we remember a 2008 where people lost 30, 50% of their life savings in a short period of time that had everlasting impact and everlasting impact on many people's retirement. Uh, so it's easy to take into consideration those event driven types of forces that can deep decrease what it is that you've saved from a retirement savings standpoint, but it's, it's harder to visualize or see the impact that taxes are going to have on your retirement. So if you lose 30% based on the market in one year, the next year you have a chance to get that back. If you pay 30% in taxes, you're never going to get that back. And you pay 30% in taxes year after year after year after year that you will never be able to recoup like a market loss. So most people think that the market is their biggest risk, whereas Sean just talked about taxes represent the biggest risk or threat to their overall spendable income of the resources that they've saved for retirement. And we focus on working with families and individuals that are, you know, within 10 years of retirement. So 50 plus this taxes apply to everybody at every age. And that's where, you know, while we may, you may not be the right fit for, to work with a retirement planner, if you're in your twenties, thirties, forties, it should be something you're thinking about now, the sooner you can start being efficient with your tax plan, understand it a little better, um, the, the better position you're going to be in. Let's go back to looking at that tax return, whether I do it myself, which we know I'm not going to do, or I have a professional walk me through it. It can tell me some important stuff. So let's kind of go through the stuff it can t can tell me and how that can help my overall retirement plan. First, with my adjusted gross income helps me determine IRA contribution eligibility. Contributions to Roth IRAs and traditional IRAs are based on how much income you show, taxable income that you show for the year. Um, Roth is a great feature. There's a lot of tax advantages to Roth. You want to understand whether or not it makes sense for you to be doing some of these contributions to your IRAs in a pre-tax or traditional uh, IRA option, or if you want to be looking at the Roth IRA. So understanding where you fall from an, from an adjusted gross income and knowing what those contribution limits are is one important nugget, as we've talked about. Lauren, the return can also tell me if I had capital gains or losses. Yeah, most definitely. And that's really important in this type of environment where capital gains tax treatment typically is more favorable than your ordinary income uh, tax treatment. And if you have losses, then there's rules as, as far as can you use those capital losses to offset capital gains for the future years or even in that current year. So it, it'll it this, you know, this tax return really presents a story. It presents a story of what your tax life looked like for the prior year, but it also can, can, can kind of be predictive as far as what story could it tell for the future year. And that's one of the biggest takeaways for people as they're listening to this podcast is when you look at your tax return, think about it from a historical view, but also think about it from a futuristic view as well. Because oftentimes people's tax returns don't vary substantially year over year. Everyone once in a while they do, but as we're looking at what took place for the prior year, we also want to be thinking about the next year because next year's strategies could be even more important to you than what you were able to incorporate the prior year. 
another important piece that if as you look at last year's tax return is just to understand the tax brackets and the tax rates and then we talk about effective versus marginal tax rates um, a lot of people we, we've had that question before on uh, maybe an individual or family not wanting to get into that next tax bracket and then they the thought is well i don't want all of our income to be taxable at that rate and that's just not not how it works all of us get to fill up that 10 percent tax bracket that we get to fill up the 12 percent and as we work our way up those tax rates, taxable income, that's when we hit that next effective or, sorry, next marginal tax rate. So it's only those additional dollars in that next tax bracket that get taxed at that current tax rate. Overall, they're going to look at it and say, well, what was your effective rate? And that's where you get that average across those various buckets. Refund versus owing money. I think there are some different schools of philosophy. Some people like getting that money back from the government. Others want to hang on to their money and maybe invest it and grow it during the year. How do you have that conversation with people? It does feel like a game sometimes. We, I've heard it in my experience in public accounting, even in, the, in, in you know, looking at it now, some people feel like they win the game when they get money back. And it's kind of a surprise. It's almost like a scratch off ticket, right? How much is it going to be? Right? And that's the reality that, uh, you know, they aren't sure you, what your total liability is going to be is going to be the same regardless. You know, your effective tax rate is going to be the same, whether you withhold additional during the year or you withhold very little, the computation of the tax return simply squares that up or settles it up and determines, all right, you paid more than what you total, you know, you owed in total. So now you're going to get a refund versus, hey, you didn't pay enough. Now you owe us. There's two schools of thought. Some people look at that as maybe a, you know, Christmas bonus. They get it sometime in the first quarter and they're going to help you, you know, pay off some of their, you know, extra spending that a lot of us do at around Christmas time. Um, some individuals understand that, hey, this is a tax-free loan that we gave to the government all year. I don't want them using their, my money all year and then getting a you know, money back or extra amount back. Um, I'd rather have that in my pocket and be able to use it throughout the year so they're going to withhold less. So there's no right or wrong. It's really just personal preference? There is personal preference, too. No, there is no right or wrong. Um, we want to make sure we you know, don't withhold too little that potentially be subject to penalties because it's you know, we owe so much. Um, that's probably one way to look at it. But again, at the end of the day, you didn't win or lose. It's simply exactly what you owed based on your total taxable income. Still looking at that tax return, gleaning all this wonderful information from it. Another thing, Lauren, if you have an HSA or health savings account, there's some things, there are some things you look at as a retirement planner. The HSA is becoming much more popular, much more common, over, especially over the last five years. And, and, and for those of you who are saving in an HSA, you're maybe five years away from retiring, maybe 10 years away from retiring, there's different strategies that you might want to consider. One of them is, is it's really tempting when you have a, a medical expense to withdraw the money from the HSA and use it to pay for the medical expense. But because of the triple tax benefits of the HSA, one consideration would be to cash flow that medical expense so you're not withdrawing it from the HSA. You allow the eighth wonder of the world compounding interest to, to and, and, and Molly, I can see what, I can see your face. It's, this is going great. The eighth wonder <laughs> the of eighth, the world. Really, the eighth wonder. Is even that much more wondrous? <laughs> When you combine that with tax-free superpowers. He's full of analogies today. <laughs> he should get into marketing if this retirement planning thing doesn't work out. So if you can cash flow your medical expenses and allow 
the compounding interest to grow tax-free underneath the HSA, then in retirement, you can use that those tax-free distributions to pay for medical expenses that you're going to have in retirement. Because the, the facts are is most retirees have qualified medical expenses. And if you have the HSA, they're waiting to, to cash flow it at that point when you don't have their earned income coming from your work. That can be one really good strategy. Build up the HSA as much as you can during work your working years, cash flow your medical expenses, and then it's going to be there to help with your medical expenses once you do retire. For more information on the HSA, go to YouTube, search Merkel Retirement Planning. We did a whole television show on HSAs. We call them a superhero. They can really supercharge your retirement. And Lauren goes in-depth with how you can use an HSA to help you meet your retirement vision. There are some action steps that you can be taking as the year comes to an end. And one is to look at Roth conversions. Some of the things that you're going to be analyzing and making decisions have a deadline of December 31st. There's other things like the IRA contributions that do carry on until tax filing deadline of the prior year. But really, there's you want to be. We talk about wanting to do this planning sometime as prior to year end, as we get close to that year end, because when when it comes to your total income and how much taxable income you're going to show, typically that for the most part, stops December 31st. I mean, a traditional IRA, you can maybe lower it up to six or 7,000, but um, other decisions as far as maybe, um, you know, realizing capital gains or uh, maybe realizing additional income if you so choose, uh, that can can go away December 31st, you know, when the, when the calendar flips to the new year. So whether or not a Roth conversion makes sense, that's an important strategy and analysis to do. That's part of, that's a big part of what we do in the overall retirement planning process that we do with our families. We want to make sure, are, are we in a tax bracket or tax rate that we like? You know, knowing that rates are going to go up in the future is this something we want to take advantage of in the current year. We need to be doing that analysis prior to year end and identifying, determining maybe how much additional income we may want to realize in the current year. Should we be making some decisions about charitable giving as the year comes to a close? Well, Sean mentioned it. Some of the most cool, some of the most effective tax strategies have to be done by year end, twelve thirty one. We can't wait till the spring to incorporate these types of strategies. The qualified charitable distribution is one of those strategies you have to execute on in that current year. Now, this year, twenty twenty, is a little bit different when it comes to qualified charitable distributions, meaning that the required minimum distributions for 2020 were suspended. So if you're 73 years old, normally you have to take a distribution from your pre-tax accounts, the IRAs, the 401k plans. This year, you do not. However, you can still make your qualified charitable distribution just like you always have in the past. The other rumor that's going around out there is because of the SECURE Act that was passed December of 2019. Uh, it pushes out the required minimum distribution age from 70 and a half to 72. So there's some people who are 70 and a half years old, maybe 71 years old, that they're not mandated to take distributions from their account until 72 but they're still eligible to use the qualified charitable distribution strategy. So even though you may not be mandated to take a distribution based on your age yet, because you're not 72, you might've fallen within that, that gap, that time gap, that age gap, that you can still take advantage of the dis distribution. So that the key is here is you can take money out of your pre-tax accounts. Otherwise you would have paid taxes on it. But if you gift it direct to your qualified charity, your church or another qualified charity, 
that's a donation that you will not pay any taxes on, and it does help suffice what your required minimum distribution would be. So it's an incredibly incredibly powerful way, especially in an era where 90-some percent of people are filing the standard deduction. They're not itemizing, which means their charities or their uh, charitable deductions are null, most people. This is a way that you can still gift have the community impact that you're really striving for, but receive some kind of tax benefit for it as well. So this is this is a strategy that you're not eligible for until you're 70 and a half. But once you're 70 and a half, so there's a reason to celebrate 70 and a half. You can give and receive a tax benefit from it. So it's a half cool. birthday party. That sounds fun. That's right. And most of what we're talking about today is just comes down to about being efficient with your income, right? Most of us prefer to keep as much of our income put in our own pockets as possible. We want to pay our taxes, right? We don't, we, we must follow the laws, but let's be efficient. Let's pay the least amount possible. So as retirement planners, you guys clearly both are looking at taxes and incorporating into an overall retirement plan, but we don't want in any way, shape or form anyone to think that we don't think there's some real value in working with a CPA. Like a lot of professions, not all of them are going to do the same type of work and operate in the same manner. CPAs are very much, they feel, they fit that mold, right? Some CPAs are, you know, just, uh, they, they're doing auditing. Some CPAs are strictly filing tax returns. And there's some CPAs that do fit that proactive planning standpoint. That's just what they enjoy doing. That's how they've built their practice. They want to meet with their clients in the fourth quarter, get ahead of the end of the year help address and plan for a lot of the things that we've talked about. So you want to make sure that you are know what you're getting, right? You're paying that bill. If you utilize a CPA, you want to make sure you understand what kind of relationship you have with that CPA and try to get the most out of them. So you might have some questions about your specific tax situation and your retirement vision. Here's a neat opportunity. You can schedule a 15 minute retirement checkup call with one of the retirement planners here at Merkle Retirement Planning. Go to MerkelePlan.com. That's M-E-R-K-L-E Plan.com. And you go right to the calendar of our advisors and schedule your call to talk about your retirement vision. Taxes, just one aspect of retirement planning. It's a whole comprehensive approach that includes a lot of other things. So we talk about the other things on this podcast. So please go ahead and subscribe, rate and review what you heard today and look for some of the other information, or you can get a lot of information by attending a workshop. There's more on our workshops, what we cover in those workshops again at MerkelPlan.com. And we'll continue talking about your retirement vision and how to meet those retirement goals on this podcast. It's retiring today. And we thank you for listening. Merkle Retirement Planning is an independent financial services firm helping individuals create retirement strategies using a variety of investments and insurance products to custom suit their goals and objectives. Any information discussed in these shows is for educational purposes only and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice. Investment advisory services are offered through Elite Retirement Planning, LLC. Insurance services are offered through MRP Insurance, LLC. I was struggling and I didn't get anything from you except, yahoos well, over there. Except for the P philosophy, you know, that. other than that. <sighs> I like how they just let me just drown. They didn't even throw me a life preserver or no. anything. Lauren was looking out the window. I know, he wasn't like, paying attention. He's like, just get to the question, then I really shine after you're done. <laughs> then I talk. I was thinking about how you're going to use that driver today. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> to represent. <laughs>